0: I'd like to invite you to please turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and as you do that I just want to add one announcement to what Leo shared it's a personal announcement and uh, but it affects you as a church and that is that um, I have an upcoming sabbatical. Uh, that actually begins tomorrow that will be a six-week sabbatical that's given to each of the pastors every seven years. And uh, I am so looking forward to this time. But wanted you to know that uh, as you do not see me around the next six weeks, it's not because I don't love you anymore. Indeed, I love you more than ever. Uh, But I will be uh, getting some study in and also experiencing some refreshment uh, and rest with my family. So please pray for that time over uh, the remainder of this month and then most of next month as well is the time that i'll be gone Uh, next week nick kidwell is going to be here with us very excited about that and while i am gone the remainder of those weeks the church will be studying the book of titus and so thank god for team preaching and i'm excited for what god has for the church in in the book of titus Today we conclude our series on Philippians. Our series has been called Gospel Happiness. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones who said that Philippians is the happiest letter Paul ever wrote. And it has been my prayer that God would use this letter to lead us into a life of joy. Um, Our sermon title today is The Happiest Letter. And in fact... uh, The the bulk of this sermon will be, and we will do this in a few moments, reading the entirety of this letter. For now, we just look at these closing verses, the final greetings in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 21. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God bless the preaching of his word. On April 5th, 1943, the 37-year-old German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer was arrested and imprisoned for his resistance to Hitler and the Nazi regime in Germany. Two years later, just a few weeks from the end of World War II, he was in a concentration camp facing a death sentence. On Sunday, April 8th of 1945, he led a service for other prisoners. They sang, they prayed, Bonhoeffer, shared a meditation from Isaiah 53 on those words, with his wounds we are healed. And when the service ended that day, two guards entered and said, prisoner Bonhoeffer, come with us. The prisoners knew what that meant. He would be escorted to the gallows. The other men gathered around and said goodbye to Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer took one of his Christian friends aside and said, This is the end, but for me, it is the beginning of life. He said, it is not death to die. The next day, Juchik Bonhoeffer was hanged. While in prison, Bonhoeffer wrote letters that are now considered a Christian classic. They are entitled Letters and Papers from Prison. And the book gives a window into the heart and the mind ...of a man who is full of peace and full of joy, though he is in prison. A friend and a fellow prisoner later wrote about Bonhoeffer in prison and said this. Bonhoeffer was all humility and sweetness. He always seemed to me to diffuse an atmosphere of happiness, of joy... ...in every smallest event in life and of deep gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. That friend and prisoner went on to say, he was one of the very few men that I have ever met to whom God was real and close. Now in this book of Philippians that we have been studying together these months, Philippians is a part of The Apostle Paul's letters from prison. Here we encounter a man who is awaiting trial. He has been imprisoned in Rome for several years. He's suffering greatly and he does not know what awaits him. We have encountered in every paragraph of this letter. A remarkable Christian who diffuses an atmosphere of happiness. Gospel happiness marks the life of this man. And just as Bonhoeffer's conduct and outlook was life-changing for those who observed him, God's desire is that Paul's example in this happy little book, given to us by God authoritatively in his word, that this book would be life-changing for us today. In order to review what we have seen in this book. I know some of you raised your hand first Sunday here. Thanks for being with us. You missed a few Sundays in our series, but the good news is you're going to get caught up real quick because we're going to read the entirety of this book today, which will take 15 minutes or so. We read the Bible publicly in order to promote a love for God's Word. Uh, There are many people today who sadly throughout the week do not read the Scriptures. We want to promote The reading of God's word privately and among friends and in small groups. God, in fact, commands us in 1 Timothy 4.13 to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. This is part of what the church does. In fact, when Paul's letters were received by the churches, the entire church gathered together. And the letter that he wrote was read in its entirety in the gathering of the church on the Lord's day. Not just a section of the letter read, but the whole thing. And so today, we are hearing the same letter that was read in the church in Philippi in the middle of the first century. And as this word is read, I have prayed and even ask God now. And invite you to pray as well that God's word would go deep into our hearts and that it would bear lasting fruit in our lives. There is nothing like the power of the Word of God to convict of sin, to strengthen us, to comfort us in the midst of suffering and to envision us to live for Christ. God gets things done through the reading of His Word. He meets with us here. And so let's... Give our attention. You can either look and read along in your own Bibles or you can simply listen to the reading of God's Word. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers. And deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or By death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted, gifted, graced. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God... For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. A righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the upward, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Three pieces of counsel from Philippians as we close this series. I'll be quick, I promise. This is what I hope we take with us from this glorious book. What I hope and have prayed each one of us takes with us. One, as a Christian, you have everything you need to rejoice in every circumstance. As a Christian, you have everything you need to rejoice in every circumstance. We've seen Paul's joy throughout. He he prays with joy. He rejoices that Christ is proclaimed. He looks at his present and his future with joy And then there are repeated commands for us to follow his example and commands for us to rejoice in the Lord. And Christian, here's what I want to say. And I know that for some, these are days of joy. For some, these are days of sorrow and hardship and loss. Christian, there is joy available for you today. There is gladness. There is contentment. There is peace. How is that possible? Because in Christ, all the most important things cannot be taken from us. Because in Christ, we know that God will most certainly complete what He began. The God of peace is with you, and He is at work even in suffering, even in loss, even when we don't understand and know what He is doing. He is working in your life, and you can trust Him and rejoice in the Lord. Linda Redrup is a friend of mine, dear member of the church, a friend of ours. Linda lost her husband while we were preaching through the book of Philippians. And this thought occurred to me, and I saw Linda walking in this morning, and she shared a prophetic word. Linda is, to me, a living picture of what we have from Paul in the book of Philippians. This remarkable faith, this remarkable joy and contentment, that we see in Paul's life, I see that very thing in my sister's life, in Linda's life. And she, she is filled with the Spirit. And she sent an email to me with some encouragements and some truths. And she sent a quote by Elizabeth Elliot where Elizabeth Elliot said this. She said, We need to take in both hands whatever God has given and then humbly and defiantly say, This is part of the story. This is part of the story of the love of God for me. Whatever God sends, you take it in your hands and you say that. That's where peace is found and God wants us to be a church full of Linda Redrups who experience this rejoicing and contentment in every circumstance, present and future. You say, I don't know hardship now, it's coming. And part of what God's doing in Philippians is preparing us. For suffering, preparing us for hardship, preparing us to rejoice in the Lord in every circumstance. Two, second lesson we learned from Philippians. Make Christ your treasure and make knowing him your greatest aim in life and death. There is one worth living for. And I know today some of you are not trusting in him and are not living for him. But the book of Philippians lays claim to every one of us to make Christ our treasure. To make knowing him the great aim of your life. This book is glorious because it's full of a glorious savior. It is full of Christ from start to finish. We are the recipients of the affection of Christ. Chapter 1 verse 8. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. How is that possible? Because to be with Christ is far better than all the treasures of this world. He surpasses them all. This Savior is the one who humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Even death on a cross, chapter 2, verse 8. He is the one who rose from the grave and has been given the name above every name. One day you will bow, whether today or someday in the future. The Christian is the one who glories in Christ. We count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. And our one great desire is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the Savior who will return from heaven. He is the object of our joy. He is the source of all grace. We learn this from Philippians, from the word of God. Nothing compares with Jesus Christ. He is a glorious Savior. I remember being so affected as a freshman in college, walking around Kutztown University. That's where I went to college. And God had done something. It's when God first gave me a real passion for Christ. And I just remember my heart burning within me and my eyes filling with tears as I sang, Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. All I once held dear and built my life upon. All that this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I've counted loss. It is spent. It is worthless now. Compared to this, knowing you, knowing Jesus. The Christian counts everything as loss compared to the joy, the value of knowing this Savior. Make Christ your treasure. Make Christ your passion. Make Christ the goal of all of life. Third, value partnership in the gospel for the sake of... Of the advance of the gospel. So if you want to summarize Philippians. Let me say that again. Value partnership in the gospel. For the sake of the advance of the gospel. These are the, It's why we've called this gospel happiness. But there's one theme here that I want to call attention to. You see throughout the book of Philippians. A lot of gospel. Go through and look where does gospel. Where does Lord or Jesus or Christ appear. It's all over. The good news. Gospel. Also go through. Look for joy. Look for rejoicing. You see that language repeated throughout, but there's one other concept that is a major one in Philippians, and it's the book and it's the, the word partnership and the concept of partnership. Now it's lost a bit in the English translations, but wherever you see uh, partnership or share in or participate or partakers, that is uh, the word in the original koinonia. Koinonia, uh, fellowship, participation, partnership. And Paul wrote this letter to celebrate the way that this church looks beyond themselves. The way that they partner in the gospel. The way that they release extra local workers. Their generosity, their heart for the mission, their love for him. It's partnership in the gospel. You see it even in the closing, the final greetings That we read. Paul. It's beautiful. Paul greets each individual Christian. Greet every. He places emphasis upon that. Every man and woman. He loves them deeply. And so he says. Greet them all. He's expressing love. He's expressing friendship. And then he sends greetings from the co-workers. Who are with him. They love you. Timothy and Epaphroditus. And the other. They, They love you. They greet you. And then he sends greetings from all the Christians in the church in Rome to the church in Philippi. When he says, all the saints greet you. So it's all the saints in one church greeting all the saints in another church. There's a few things we see here. Walter Hansen summarizes them both. He says, Paul never lives in isolation, is one point. Even as a prisoner in chains, he lives in community. And then he says this regarding this exchange of greetings. And this is this partnership theme. Hansen says, Paul builds bridges between communities of faith. He works to build an association of churches related to one another as God's people. That's the reason he's sending greetings from one entire congregation to another congregation. And... I just want to call attention to that because too many Christians today fail to understand the biblical priority of churches partnering together. We talk about it a lot. Why do we do that? Because it is everywhere in the New Testament and it is everywhere in the book of Philippians. Value, partnership in the gospel for the sake of the advance of the gospel. In other words, that more and more people might come to know this glorious Savior that more and more people might come to experience this gospel happiness that comes from having our sins forgiven, that comes from having the hope of eternal life. I want to invite the band to return as I close. People have pointed out that loneliness is the new epidemic in our culture. And perhaps some of you even today are experiencing that loneliness in life. Last month there was a, a sad article Uh, and some research that was done and and talk around this, uh, uh, that Google searches for how to meet people reached a new high. And an article said that the U.S. Surgeon General released an advisory addressing an epidemic of loneliness and isolation that is affecting this country. We see it all around us. Well, I want us to note that Paul reaches the end of this letter, this happy letter, and he leaves us with this, essentially, you are not alone. And he says you're not alone because you have, one, the community of Christ greeting one another. And even more, you have, what is it, verse 23, the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. Verse 23, what, what a way to end. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Be with your spirit. So every Christian, take this confidence. Christ is with you. His grace is with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. In other words, leave Philippians with this idea. Not something that you're supposed to go do, but something or someone who is with you. Empowering you to do everything that he has called you to do. You read a book like this, you say, how do I become this kind of Christian? How do we as a church become this kind of church? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is what started a work in you and will bring it to completion. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes us much more bold to speak the word without fear. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that empowers us to say with Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us to have the humble mindset of Christ, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing it is God who works in us all by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that will empower us to shine as lights in the world. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us, even today, to count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that empowers us to forget what lies behind, to press on in Christ, to experience the peace of God, to experience contentment in Christ, to live as citizens of heaven as we await the return of our Savior on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Praise God for a glorious Savior. Praise God for the power of His grace at work in our lives. Let's sing to the Lord.